Um, hello, everybody. Uh, and Kia Ora. In the session today, uh, we will provide an overview of um, Ostrode's upcoming projects um, and what is required to work with us. We have more than 400 people registered for today's session. Uh, welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Ostrode and I will be moderating today's session together with Paul Davis, uh, Ostrode's Acting General Manager Operations, who is one of our today's presenters and he will also moderate uh, the Q&A sessions um, throughout the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit of housekeeping. Um, so today's webinar is planned uh, to run for about one hour and 15 minutes and we will have uh, time for questions and answers uh, throughout the session. These slides today's presentation is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, uh, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&As. Uh, in your message, please include the project and whom your question is addressed to, uh, to help us answer your question as best as we can. You can also use that same question box to let us know if you have any technical problems. Uh, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session uh, via your registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find Ostrots in your podcast app. Okay. Um, so our presenters for today, uh, we will first hear uh, from Paul Davis, uh, Ostrode Acting General Manager Operations. Paul will introduce today's session and will outline uh, what is required to work with Ostrode. Then each program manager will provide uh, an overview of their projects. And after each presentation, we will have a few minutes for questions. So welcome to all our presenters and I will now hand over to Paul. Um, can you hear me okay, yes. Katarina? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is working now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It would have been a very boring presentation if you couldn't hear me. So thanks for picking that up. Welcome, <laughs> everybody. This is where I was starting. And good afternoon and good morning, depending on where you are dialing in for us uh, today. I hope you're staying safe and well, whether you're enduring a lockdown at the moment or doing your level best to avoid going into one. Um, and uh, thank you very much for making yourselves available to uh, to hear about the projects that we have in our pipeline for 21-22. My name is Paul Davies, uh, as Ekaterina mentioned, I'm the Acting General Manager Operations with Ostroads and I'm going to start us off today with a short introduction to who Ostroads is, essentially why we're here, uh, how we work and what it means for you to work with us. I'll be pretty brief and once I'm done, I'll invite each of our program managers to outline the projects that we're planning to commence during this financial year. And there'll be opportunities, as Ekaterina has mentioned, for you to ask some questions as well. We have uh, well over 400 uh, registrations for today, so those questions will have to be selective in the session, but we will endeavour to provide some answers to common questions as a follow-up to the webinar. Firstly, just about Austroads. So Austroads is the collective of the Australasian Transport and Traffic Agencies, and we represent all levels of government. So that includes the Australian and New Zealand national governments, states and territories in Australia, and the Australian Local Government Association. We provide high level quality and impartial advice, information, tools, and services to help our members 
to deliver efficient, reliable and safe mobility to their customers. Our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver continually a continually improving road transport network, especially where harmonisation or economies of scale bring advantages in doing that. Put very simply, we're here to solve problems for Australia and New Zealand transport agencies. We employ around 60 staffs in our offices in Sydney and Melbourne, and our program managers, who you'll be hearing from today, are based in Melbourne, Perth and Brisbane. Uh, we use a program management approach to deliver a schedule of projects that continually evolves to meet the needs of our members. Our five programs are listed, programs of work are listed on the screen here, so transport infrastructure, road safety and design, transport network operations, future vehicles and technology, and our brand new program, environment and sustainability. We also um, produce, uh, typically coming out of our programs, national services and a selection of our national services are on screen as well. So how our programs work, Austroads is governed by a board which comprises representatives of each of our member organisations. Each of our work programs uh, that I've just outlined has one or more task forces associated with it and they also have representation from our member agencies and others as appropriate. Our board ensures that our broad program of work is kept strategically uh, aligned with its priorities and the task force ensures that that strategic alignment translates down through to subject matter expertise, project direction and um, implementation considerations. And Osroads brings all that together. So we all work in a collective way to bring those common solutions. Our work program comprises projects which are typically delivered by consultants under the oversight of a program manager. And those program managers are typically from within a member agency here at Osroads. Now, because we're such a small uh, organisation, um, that's, uh, that's our reliance on, on consultants to do a lot of our work. And today our program managers will outline the projects will be commencing in the 21-22 financial year. So just a little bit on working with Osroads for those who might not have done so before. So once a project is approved by the board, Osroads works with its task force representatives to develop a project brief and publish a request for tender. Now, most of our projects do go to an open tender, but not all do. Our focus is getting value for our members and uh, where an open tender is the preferred option, which is certainly most cases, uh, we like that net to be cast far and wide and we're hoping that um, today will help drive that casting of that net. So we generally assess tenders for our projects based on understanding of the project, capability, experience and capacity, suitability of the proposed methodology and value for money. And of course, as I said, our goal is to maximise value for our members. Some of the projects that we've got presented today are still quite early in their uh, definition. Others are much more advanced. So some of them will be uh, very clear what we're trying to do. Others are still in refinement. Uh, in terms of timing, um, we'll put all of our requests for tenders up for this year by December. So if you haven't already, I'd, I'll encourage you to sign up to our mailing list or see our current request for tenders at austroads.com.au slash tenders. If you're a successful tender and you, you uh, work on an Austroads project, you will sign a master services agreement with us. And that's if you don't already have one. Um, and that sets out the general conditions of working with Austroads and provides a foundation for engagement on the projects with much simpler contracts. And that's particularly useful if you're doing multiple pieces of work with Austroads. So a consultant working on an Austroads project will work closely with the project manager and the project working group to ensure the project is kept on track and delivering to its objectives. 
Uh, they'll provide regular updates and reports and meet delivery schedules and all that sort of thing that you might expect in any piece of work. Often the primary deliverable for a project with Austroads will be a publication such as a report or a guide, but really the main goal for Austroads is to drive a practical change to realise benefits for each of our members and our consultants should keep that in mind that uh, the deliverables need to be fit for purpose and have an implementation focus in mind. So in many cases, projects do in fact lead to new national services or tools or that sort of thing, and practical implementation is a real key consideration at each stage of the project. Um, Austroads, of course, will support consultants working on one of our projects with clear guidance and direction and help to manage risks and issues as appropriate. And uh, whilst uh, past performance is not a guarantee of future performance, it's a strong indicator. So successful delivery of a project for Austroads will stand you in good stead for future work with us. I might leave it there. I'd like to leave more time for the substantive part of the presentation, but uh, if there are any questions, I'll invite you to put them forward now. So I do have one question here at the moment, which I'll seek to answer. So this is, um, asking about the process for raising projects um, and suggestions for updating the guides and can that be done through a process outside of the task Austro's task forces. Uh, typically it is done through the Austro's task forces but that doesn't mean that the ideas or uh, suggestions need to be raised by a member of the task force. They can be raised up with a member of the task force or with uh, one of the program managers that you'll be talking to later on today. So I might leave that there and move to the uh, our first presenter, our first program manager presenter, uh, Ross Guppy. So hopefully you can see that. Yep. Oh, good to go. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Hello, everyone. I'm Ross Guppy, and uh, this is the Transport Infrastructure Program. The aim of the program is to help asset managers deliver an affordable and sustainable level of service for road users and the community. The program covers five task forces. And this year's program is spread across all task forces with outputs including new and updated guidance, research, software, and project webinars. All the projects are aimed at saving money, improving practice, or improving customer experience. I'll now go through uh, the projects by task force. So assets, the assets task force has two new projects. The first project, Guide to Digital Engineering, is a result of the increasing use of digital information across the full project lifecycle. Currently, industry struggles to support differing client digital engineering specifications, which vary in the level of detail, the quality and completeness. In addition, the road and transport agencies who have developed those strategies have had a mixed level of success and application remains ad hoc at project level. Development of the digital engineering guidance material will help accelerate and increase adoption in transport agencies and provide clear technical guidance specific for road transport project delivery. The project will produce a new Austroads guide that will be developed through detailed consultation and will include case studies. Uh, tenders for this project actually close on the 3rd of August, but I would also encourage everybody with an interest in this area to actively engage in the consultation and development of the case studies. We believe there's a lot of uh, valuable uh, expertise in industry as a whole. Moving to the second project, this is a flow on 
from previous work regarding the balance of powers in telecommunications and will produce a strategy and action plan to improve consistency and compliance of third parties operating in roads. Currently, there is no best practice standard or national consistency on how utilities are managed. This can lead to poor understanding and compliance by utilities, particularly those with a national footprint, and poor outcomes when utilities are placed without adequate consideration of the asset life or safety of the road user. The scope of this project includes stakeholder identification, consultation and management, a literature review, comparative analysis, and qualitative and quantitative data gathering. Um, I'd like to point out particularly that the stakeholder consultation is a critical component and it's expected to include the owners of the road and utility legislations, the Australia's members themselves, including local government, asset owners, utilities, and other third-party asset owners. We expect the consultation process will include a review of the draft documents by those stakeholders. This project was advertised on Tuesday and tenders close on the 17th of August. Moving to Bridges, the Bridges Task Force has one new project. Uh, it's an assessment of bridge structural capacity. The purpose of this project is to optimise freight access and productivity consistent with the safe management of existing bridges. The current technical standards and guidance for bridges primarily relate to the design of new bridges, not the actual structural capacity performance of existing structures. The Australian standard provides some high level guidance, but currently there are different interpretations of this standard and different methodologies used to calculate bridge live load capacities. The project will recognise the differences in design and assessment philosophies and how to reduce any potential conservatism in assessments without compromising safety. The output of the project will be a detailed guidance for bridge capacity assessments for the different structural forms and materials. And the project will be spread across three years to allow significant agency input and will deal with all bridge types. And project delivery. Project delivery task force has one new project. Um, the purpose of this project is really to implement two short-term recommendations from stage one of the project. And they are to support informed acceleration of projects by developing best practice guidance on understanding and mitigating the impacts of accelerating projects, particularly of interest at the moment with a large number of stimulus packages going to market. The other component is to amplify excellence by working with agencies to promote best practice lessons learned. The project will deliver a guideline for implementing practical measures to improve project delivery. Uh, tenders for this project actually closed on the 14th of July and they're currently being assessed by the tender panel. Moving to pavements, the Pavements Task Force has five new projects plus one carryover project from last year. The first two projects involve the implementation of recommendations from a recently completed Austroads project, which identified areas to improve the Austroads methods for designing rehabilitation and strengthening treatments. The report identified both of these projects as having a high benefit cost ratio. The purpose of this particular project is to develop an approach for assessing the remaining fatigue capacity of existing bound materials for incorporation in the mechanistic imperial design procedure, or MEP as I might refer to it later, for pavement rehabilitation. The project involves developing the preferred process to use by designers from the earlier research. It will be applied on an existing full depth asphalt pavement site to assess its viability before being developed further to encompass other bound pavement materials. 
This project does not include validation or accelerated field or lab trials. Um, as such, the level of confidence in the developed process will influence how and when the method will be included in an updated guide. And this aspect will need to be clearly covered in the project implementation plan. Purpose of this uh, second project is to develop an approach for the design of asphalt overlays, considering resistance to reflective cracking using the Texas Transportation Institute method. Um, currently, the risk of reflective cracking in composite pavements in asphalt overlay treatments is not considered as part of the design process and relies on a simple empirical rule to provide uh, resistance to cracking by providing minimum cover equivalent to 150, 175 millimetres of asphalt over the cemented materials. Empirical rules provide reflective uh, cracking protection. However, they may lead to overly conservative asphalt thicknesses. The cracking design module is to consider uh, anti-reflective cracking interlayers such as SAMIs or geogrids and more resilient asphalt such as polymer modified binders or crumb rubbers. The project does include laboratory testing and characterization of asphalt properties of selected mixes to generate the inputs into the models. Characterization of typical cracks will also be undertaken. The project will carry out a sensitivity analysis and develop local design input parameters for the model. The next project's purpose is to improve the cost effectiveness of asphalt pavements by replacing the shell relationship with an austroids fatigue relationship. And the reason we want to do that is that for over 30 years we've been using shell fatigue relationship, which was developed more than 40 years ago, based on European mixes. Um, the current Australian and New Zealand asphalt mixes are significantly different from those original European mixes, including a wider range of uh, bituminous binders and significant amounts of recycled asphalt pavement. To enable pavement design to be based on actual manufactured asphalt mixes in Australia and New Zealand, a three-stage project is considered necessary to enable pavement design to be upgraded to adopt fractural modulus and fatigue properties. This project is stage one and will collect a substantial amount of testing data from both road authorities and industry uh, to separate the data into appropriate categories and to provide a pavement design relationship between the shell values and that from the fatigue and modulus for standard binders. And the output will be a technical report. The next uh, project is the Cooper PD Polymer Modified Binders trial site, um, which was set up a number of years ago to help determine better performing seals and includes the full range of Austroid sealing grade PMBs. The seals are now 10 years old and they've reached an age where differences in performance are likely to be apparent. Uh, it's planned to undertake these inspections um, in cooler conditions um, to increase the probability of observing any cracks that may have occurred. The outcomes uh, of this project will be fundamental input into future development and refinement of Austroid's specifications, and the output will be a technical report. The next uh, project is development of software facility. So the development of an up-to-date uh, back calculation software consistent with the Austroid's guide to payment technology that's capable of report, importing and exporting data results in formats commonly used by road jurisdictions, um, capable of batching and processing information. Um, and the reason we're doing this is that there's currently no software programs that are currently commercially available 
that all the jurisdictions use or accept for the design treatments for extending the life of existing road assets. The outcome, the aim of this is to deliver a sustainable and value money solution uh, software package that is ready for use on projects. The final pavements project is an update to the OSPADS software. The purpose of this project is to improve the user experience by resolving capacity and user issues and to update the software to align with the Austroads Enterprise architecture requirements. Um, very simply, the outcome will be an updated OSPADS software. Moving to road tunnels, the Road Tunnels Task Force has two new projects. The first project's purpose is to identify best practice approaches in road tunnel wall panels and will specifically look at durability, including corrosion from groundwater, ease of cleaning, ease of removal and reinstallation to provide access for inspections. In tunnel wall panels can be produced from a variety of different materials and have a number of different support structures. They're typically specified using performance-based requirements. And while there's a range of products that might meet these requirements, it's not clear which product provides the overall best life cycle outcome. The output from this project will be a technical report. The last project builds on recent research projects relating to driver behavior to determine how these learnings can be built into the guide to road tunnels. Currently, tunnel designs don't normally incorporate customer-focused aesthetics. However, we do know that drivers in tunnels feel that they need to concentrate more and have increased anxiety. This is becoming more of an issue. It'll soon be possible to drive over 50 kilometres within a tunnel network in Australia. The benefits of this project are improved designs that reduce monotony and provide reassurance to drivers while optimising traffic flow. The outputs include a technical report and an update to the guide to road tunnels. Thank you. Are there any questions for Ross? a minute there. In the meantime, we do have one that's probably a more general question, and that is, uh, is it possible to um, submit for, for one aspect of a project rather than the entirety? And I think the answer there is it, it depends. It depends on the project. Um, there's a couple of ways that that could be done, and that could be done in a consortium type um, tender for a project. Um, and equally, that could possibly be uh, something that the project carves up. Uh, as multiple tenders. So there's a couple of options there. Mm. I don't have any further questions though, Ekaterina, so I might hand back to you. Yeah, no worries. I'm just handing it over to Michael. Can you see my screen? Yes, everything Excellent. is correct. Mm -hmm. okay. Hi everybody, um, I'm Michael Neuestig and I lead the Road Safety Design Program for Austroads. There's uh, three task forces in this program and I'm presenting today 12 projects um, from these task forces that we secured funding for and we'll be kicking these off in the next four to five months depending on where they fit in our priority list. Uh, mostly these projects are concerned with updating published guidance and um, supporting harmonisation efforts across Australia and New Zealand. So the um, Registration and Licensing Task Force has put forward four projects. The first one is the um, creation of film clips for hazard, sorry, for heavy vehicle hazard perception testing clips. Uh, so the clips will be used in um, testing and um, 
training of, of heavy vehicle drivers. So this is really about supporting the implementation of a new harmonised national approach to the training and assessment of heavy vehicle drivers. It's a subject of an extensive programme of work on a new national heavy vehicle driver competency framework. It's really all about lifting the safety of truck drivers. So as um, yeah, states and territories can um, have great confidence that they've got the systems, their systems set up um, yeah, effectively. Uh, in this case, it is, is, it's a pretty practical task. Um, we have uh, the framework that's currently being uh, developed um, is giving us guidance on what competencies we need drivers to have. And so the film clips that we need to, to deliver with this project will meet those needs. Uh, so Osroads has previously commissioned the creation of um, hazard perception testing clips for car drivers and motorcycle riders. And these are available uh, the Australia's website, so you can get a sense of what you know, the standard we we're looking to probably exceed in this situation. Uh, so the next project um, deals with um, the assessing fitness to drive um, guidance. So this is uh, the most popular guide uh, in the Australia's suite of guidance. So many downloads, thousands of downloads. Um, a year for the material here, mainly by the um, medical and health um, field. Um, and the current guide has been out for five years, but we found that implementation across jurisdictions has been inconsistent. We're currently having an update to the guidance. The NTC are leading that, and this is about to be released for the next few months. So the, the new guidance will be out, and Austroads has responsibility then to publish and promote that guide. Uh, and will also play a role in helping our member agencies to implement the guidance. So that's where this project comes in. It's about promoting the guidance, so ensuring it's understood and out there in the community where it needs to be. And then the second part is developing an implementation strategy. The next project um, is about digital driver licensing. So. Currently, we've got a number of states in Australia have um, introduced digital driver licences and more jurisdictions are heading down this path. Um, but things are not being done necessarily in a consistent way, but with, with getting in early enough, we have an opportunity to set things up so that we have a consistent application, which allows drivers to you know, move across borders seamlessly, helps employers, um, helps industry, so there's many benefits. Uh, what we wanted to do with this task was to help jurisdictions set themselves up. So it's about documenting the current state uh, and then working with all jurisdictions in partnership. So we, can, we want to identify a common agreed path to rolling out digital driver licences. We want to make sure this is consistent with international standards and we want to ensure that we have um, cross-border interoperability. Uh, so I'd say this work is going to benefit from a provider that can effectively manage relationships with all jurisdictions. We really want to achieve an outcome. It's really a theme for Australians. We don't want to just produce a, a, a map here. We actually want to make sure that it's something that can be um, implemented by jurisdictions. So we really have that outcome focus. Now, Australians has a plethora of guidance and um, publications on all sorts of things related to transport. But we don't actually have a consolidated position uh, or guidance on driver licensing in general. There is no guide to driver licensing. Uh, so what we're talking about here is not necessarily a guide, it's, it's going to be a direction statement. And we're going to start off 
don't want to bite off too much in one go, but it's probably recognising that the policies and practices around Australia and New Zealand are probably the least homogeneous in all the, in all the um, aspects of work that run agencies are delivering. There's there's so many different ways of, of approaching this this question. Um, so in the background, Austroads and its members have been working for for many years to increase the level of consistency. Um, but from time to time, we hear the community demanding more consistency or more transparency from government. And so we believe that having this central public-facing document will actually support the community and the transport agencies. It will provide some visibility about where we're heading collectively. So again, similar to the last one, it's going to start with documenting where we're at now. What are we currently agreeing on? And we, I think we're going to identify the points of difference as well and, and the reasons for them. You know, very, very valid reasons, but we'll make sure we capture those. And then we can identify future directions. Just looking at in the early stages of developing this project, I think it's a good opportunity, possibly for a contractor that hasn't worked with Austroads before. Um, essentially, this is about promoting national consistency. So it's, uh, I think, a bit of new and exciting work for Austroads. The road design task force has um, carriage of the ever popular Austroads guide to road design. Uh, so that design, that guide is constantly evolving. Uh, and there's three projects that are in this year's pipeline for um, yeah, continued evolution of that guidance. First one relates to design exceptions. So we, we do know that design practitioners, practitioners are often challenged when they're trying to develop road designs that don't line up with published guidance. There's so many sound procedures around uh, Australia and New Zealand to support designers in doing that, but there's a, a degree of variation. Uh, and some jurisdictions do it better than others and, and some might be struggling. And we know that there's a reluctance among many designers to depart from the safe ground of sticking to the published guidance. So we want to support engineers to work in designs that you know, deliver their project objectives, recognising they're trying to meet many objectives, um, just about finding a methodology to help them meet those objectives and still be faithful to the um, you know, the, the outcomes that require the safety, environmental, um, network efficiency requirements, whatever. Um, so the content that gets developed in this will need to go under part one of the guide to road design. So it's important if you're doing this work, have a good understanding of what's in there. This is a very high priority project for our own design task force. And we uh, look to commence procurement of this one in late August or September. Uh, the next piece of work is a bit of a tidy up, let's call it some spring cleaning perhaps. So we've got a lot of um, what we call supplementary guidance out in the um, in jurisdiction land and all of that is packaged up in appendices and so on in Austro's publications. But it's, it's yeah, there's a lot of it and it's not so easy to navigate. Um, and there's plenty of really good guidance that sits just in one jurisdiction that really needs to get across borders uh, and be available to design practitioners. Uh, more broadly. So yeah, th this project is about sifting through, um, doing a bit of a cleanup, um, getting rid of superfluous guidance. We don't want guides that are you know, incredibly long. Um, we um, yeah, we also need to really identify that, that those gems uh, and, and make sure that they, they get incorporated into the, the, the um, guide to road design properly. 
the third uh, guidance project from the road design task force relates to median safety treatment. So we we know there's, there's been a lot of um, uh, median safety treatments being implemented across Australia and New Zealand. A few different approaches are being used. Uh, there's the barrier, tactile line marking. Uh, so this project is is trying to help uh, those design people making design decisions uh, when they're given a, you know, trying to trying to address a head-on front-off-road safety risk. Uh, it's trying to find um, yeah find the tools that can help them make a decision that's going to be supported um, a, a robust decision. So what we're looking for here is a tool that's going to support the decision making. We want to make sure that the designers understand and can quantify the risks and benefits associated with different mediums and different options. Um, we, we want this the outcome here to build confidence and to support more rapid adoption of median safety treatments. But so this project is probably a little less developed than the other two um, on the Road Design Task Force, so you could expect us to be going out to market towards the end of this year for this one. Now the Road Safety Task Force has five projects. The first three, I'd invite you to look at them as a package. They, they're very different pieces of work, but you can see some natural links when you look at them closely. Uh, the Guide to Road Safety has just been um, published in a new restructured format. It's been a heavy um, change. There's, it, it, and it's, um, yeah, as, as we've gone through the task, we've, we've recognised that there's a lot more work to be done, particularly with part two. Uh, so it really needs a thorough overhaul. It needs to be much more user-friendly and it needs to continue us on the path of alignment with the safe system. So the, this part two is really the first port of call for design practitioners. That's our intention, uh, that design practitioners, safety practitioners will start with the guide to road safety part two when they're thinking about what they can do to deliver safe roads. Uh, this is a critical piece of work for the road safe, for our road safety task force. Um, it's really important when you're thinking about this one, it, it's really all about the user. Um, we need, the well, success for us in this one is, is greatly increasing the number of downloads in the first instance, but really importantly, we want to be able to see more and more case studies, whether we're talking big build projects, federally funded, down to small, you know, local area traffic management kind of projects in local council. We really want to see um, better designs coming on board. And we see that this particular guide um, is, is, a, is a first step in helping um, people make that, that transition. Okay, the um, next project um, is about the online tools that Austroads has been hosting for quite some time. A lot of these have become dated and some are suffering from a range of hosting problems. So we want to support road safety practitioners, similar to the previous um, project where it's about the guidance. That guidance will point to certain tools. Uh, so it's important that when you're thinking about this project, you consider the, the guide to road safety part two and where that is heading. So we want to be able to support road safety practitioners and engineers by giving them tools that are you know, relevant and up to date and will help them play their part in setting up our road network for the elimination of death and serious injury. The, the way we think this project will work uh, is that we're going to do a thorough user needs assessment. Definitely going to be the first point. In this, in this, like the previous one, it's really about the user. Um, 
we need to make sure this is informed by the work that happens in the to the part two guide. And we're looking for recommendations of tools and platforms that we can use to host the tools that we, the tools we need for the future that are consistent with Austro's architecture. And we'll need this project to deliver us with specifications for um, new or updated tools. And we're trying to get on board with this one pretty quickly. We're looking, looking to have this one out to market in August. Um, Okay, the third one in this suite of three that I've been constantly referring back and forth between, the road safety audit um, is a really important tool for safety practitioners, but there are concerns about a big variation in, in the approach and the quality outcomes across jurisdictions. So we believe there's a great opportunity to achieve harmonised outcomes with road safety audits. And let's lift everyone up um, to a level. And we, this is a, I think an interesting bit of information. The, the West Australian system is kind of held up as the, the best of the bunch. Um, so you know, that's suppose, the first starting point. Can we get everyone to that level? Um, so how do we, what's the role for Austroids here? We see that we've got a, an important role to help um, help our members to implement uh, change. Uh, so we're looking for a comprehensive piece of work in this project that that will assess the current auditing arrangements across Australia and New Zealand, that will identify best practice, and most importantly, give us a path to implementing consistently um, yeah, harmonised uh, audit framework and, and uh, implementation. So it, it does link with the previous project, particularly noting that Austroids has a tool in its, um, you know, in, in its suite for road safety uh, auditors. It's important that if you're bidding for this work to understand the recent changes to the Guide to Road Safety Part 6, which deals with road safety audits. Uh, second last, the um, driver distraction roadmap. So we do have a new national roadmap for driver distraction in Australia. This project is about implementing that roadmap. So we're looking for um, someone to help us develop an implementation plan and a governance framework. Uh, just some things you need to know about this piece of work. It's, it's a really high priority project for the Commonwealth. Uh, we want to bring this to market in August, so look out for it soon. We believe we need a consultant here that's going to be able to uh, manage relationships and navigate potentially complex cross-border issues. It's, I've said it many, many times already, but it's really important that this work gets us to an outcome. So we want to develop a national, we want to bring the national roadmap to life. So we want to make sure we're developing through this project a really strong implementation plan. We want to be able to get um, buy-in from across the sector through that process. And the final one, uh, the land criteria, which is um, helps road safety agencies uh, identify motorbikes that are suitable for use by learner riders. Uh, the criteria were developed in 2005. So they, they don't cater for new electric motorcycles and a few technical challenges have crept up. Uh, we've noticed that there are some bikes that do satisfy land criteria that we think shouldn't be there. So what we're looking for here is a technical report uh, and an internal research report that's going to work in the background and support jurisdictions to update the land criteria. Uh, success for this um, project is really when we're seeing uniform adoption of the updated criteria across all the jurisdictions. So that's that's the 12 projects for you.
I'm happy to take some questions now if you like. Thank you, Michael. I do have a couple of questions here for you. Um, in regard to the update to the Guide to Road Safety uh, Part 2, has that been published and available yet? Yes, it was published just earlier this week. So yeah, a new, it's, it's been realigned. Uh, it's brought all of old material and it's all into um, a single place. Uh, but when you're going through the process, you recognise that we need to do more than just consolidate. We do need to uh, um, update a couple of Great, thank you. And um, I'll just ask a couple of them. We do have a few, so you've managed to, uh, to garner a bit of interest, but I'll, as I said at the start, I'll endeavour to make sure we get um, as answers out to as many common questions as we like. Uh, one of the questions is that some of the supplements provide different information or requirements than, that, than what's contained in the design guides and other times they uh, essentially provide additional information um, for agency staff. Is the project going to be looking at the supplements to define the types of information that's contained in those? It's still up to jurisdictions to develop. They're still free to develop their own supplementary guidance. So it's, this project won't be setting rules for how guidance is, for how guidance is, um, supplementary guidance is developed. It's, it really is that spring cleaning exercise. We do expect to see some recommendations coming out of that. And we, we don't really want a situation where we have to come and do this spring cleaning process um, every five years or so. So um, yeah, that is important that we, um, we're open to that and we recognise as we're going through this process, hey, we found an issue with the guide here. So that's that's natural. It's part of the evolution of the guidance of our you know, very large um, guidance document. Great. Thanks, Michael. I do have another general question, which I'll field as well, which is just around, uh, is there going to be a schedule available showing approximately when the tenders will be advertised? And as, as others would have noticed, Michael's been indicating when many of his projects will be advertised. So we'll, I might take that on notice to, to think of what's the best way we can present that. Um, we do have the segment on the Austroads website, which will give you an update as they come to pass, but um, some forward warning, I think, is the, the question there. So that's one for us to take on as a, a very helpful suggestion. And I will also make the, the point that there are quite a few comments that have, uh, you, you've obviously stimulated some thought about some opportunities out of these projects as well, which uh, I can assure everyone who's made those comments, we're capturing all of those. So thank you. Thank you. And I might hand on now to Richard, Richard Del Place. Thank you, Paul. Uh, just to confirm with you, Paul or Ekaterina, that you can see my screen and hear me all right? Yes. Great, thank you okay. very much. So, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Richard Del Place. I'm the Program Manager for Transport Network Operations. The program um, is uh, managed by three task forces, uh, namely the Network Task Force, concerned with all disciplines relating to the mobility of people, the Freight Task Force, concerned with uh, all matters relating to the mobility of goods, and uh, a, a soon to be established uh, task force for temporary traffic management uh, to accompany and lead the national harmonization of uh, temporary traffic management practice that we've been working on for a few years. And overall, the program, uh, the Transport Network Operations Program, aims at obviously improving mobility for all users within the transport system. So we got uh, three projects uh, at this stage uh, that have been approved by the board and, and that will, um, uh, will go to market in some shape or form in the coming month. 
first of all, and under the Freight Task Force, uh, we um, have a project to develop a pilot web portal uh, that will integrate heavy vehicle movement data with road infrastructure data. Um, and that will benefit primarily as a pilot project uh, the road managers in their various functions using uh, this type of data. Um, this project uh, will leverage off, uh, as you can see on this um, um, slide, uh, heavy vehicle movement data that Oz Roads has through its uh, um, transport certification Australia uh, subsidiary, I would say, uh, or the part of uh, TCA that is uh, within Oz Roads. Um, and we will also leverage off uh, the national road asset data standard that is uh, that has been developed and continue to be developed under uh, Rose Guppies program in transport infrastructure. We also have uh, for this new financial year two um, new projects that will come out to market in August uh, under the Network Task Force. The first project uh, will look to develop guidance on multimodal incident management. Um, building on the incident management framework that is currently presented uh, in the OSROADS Guide to Traffic Management and obviously taking on a more multimodal uh, aspects to, to this discipline going forward, acknowledging how our OSROADS member agencies have um, or are evolving if, if they haven't yet into transport agencies beyond uh, roads. Um, in this uh, specific project, we'll also look to develop uh, architecture content in line with the national ITS architecture framework, which has been uh, under development for over seven or eight years uh, and really uh, focusing on multimodal incident management. This project will leverage off uh, recent efforts in the different jurisdictions like the Intelligent Congestion Management Program in New South Wales or Drive Easy in uh, Victoria. Uh, and other similar initiatives in Queensland and New Zealand over the last few years. In terms of uh, audience, this, uh, the pro this project will produce guidance uh, that will be primarily used by uh, transport management centre managers and their ITS teams. The third programme uh, for me to present on uh, that will go to market again in, uh, in August this year, we'll be looking at developing uh, guidelines for ITS testing. Uh, as well as guidelines for ITS asset management. Uh, as part of this project, we will be uh, continuing the discussion uh, for the, the opportunity of a national type approval process uh, for ITS assets that will obviously benefit the ITS teams within the different road transport agencies. So on that, I'll hand over back to you, uh, Paul. Happy to take any questions now or later, of course. And that is me for now. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I don't have any questions at this stage, but there may be someone madly typing away. I'll give it a, a couple of seconds. It's not very exciting uh, footage otherwise. I think given we've got a few hundred people on the call, I, I will hand over to Vipika Matthews. Thank you very much, Richard. If there are any questions that pop up, rest assured we see them and we'll do our best to respond to them. Thanks, Richard. And I'll hand over to you, Vipika. Thank you, Paul. Um, I'm Vivica Matthews and I have the pleasure of being the program manager for the Future Vehicles and um, Technology Program and also the newly established Environment and Sustainability Program, but more on that a bit later. Um, 
The Future Vehicles and Technology Program looks at identifying and preparing for future mobility technologies that could impact the business of our member organisations, as well as their customers, to optimise the benefit for all of Australia and New Zealand. We were lucky enough to have four projects approved by the board this financial year, uh, and they're the ones that I'm just going to run you through. So let's see if I can move to the next slide. Yes. So the first project um, is the Connected Vehicle and Road Agency Data Exchange Project. Um, the, the advancements in vehicle technology are leading to a significant increase um, amount of data being generated. Uh, and this data really has the potential to provide a substantial public benefit, but only if it's made available to the road authorities. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, without this access to the data and analysis of the data, the road agencies are really limited in their ability to use the information to plan and prioritise um, the improvements in their infrastructure. Hence, this project is being started. So the project will be delivered in two phases. Um, the first phase will scan what vehicle generated data that's being captured that could potentially be made accessible uh, and also look at how access could be granted. So phase two would then build on the outcome from the first phase and it will seek to establish arrangements um, with multiple OEMs for access to the data. From there, the project will investigate and potentially build a vehicle generated data exchange, a pilot, if you like, a shared common solution for all road authorities in Australia and New Zealand. So from this solution, the road agencies can download um, the data or import the data into their own systems um, to assist them with their decision-making process. The pilot is also intending to include a set of analysis tools that would provide a better understanding of the rich value that this data would contain. The second pilot or project that's been approved by the board is providing some foundational research into the potential role of 5G technology in vehicle and infrastructure connectivity. There has been competing technology um, for the vehicle and infrastructure connectivity. Um, but with the decision that the US Federal Com Communications Commission made in November 2020 um, to reallocate the spectrum that was previously reserved for the DSRC, the Direct Short Range Communication, has really increased the focus on 5G technology um, and also the likelihood of 5G becoming the standard for vehicle and infrastructure. Uh, connectivity. <clears throat> there is a lot of information floating around uh, about 5G, but it's mainly uh, provided by the telcos. But there seem to be a lack of information and clarity around 5G, its use cases, cost associated with the deployment and maintenance, um, as well as other impact it might have. So therefore, Osroads will establish this project to bridge that gap. The project will produce a report that provides an independent research on the impact of 5G technology uh, that it might have on our member organization's operation. The report will address topics like the advantages, cost, reliability, security, and also the use cases of 5G technology. The third project um, that we got approval for um, looks at, sorry, oops. Um, a consistent evaluation and reporting of automated vehicle trials. 
the increasing in automation of vehicles is really bringing a wide range of benefits, but also challenges for both road authorities and other players in the market. So to understand that a significant amount of trials um, have been and are being conducted in both Australia and New Zealand, which you might have um, seen our um, newly published uh, repository uh, on our website for um, that provides a bit of a snapshot of these emerging, emerging vehicle technology trials. But what is um, the problem or challenge with these trials is that they are being conducted in a very varied way um, with different purposes and also their evalu evaluation methodology is quite different. So it makes it difficult um, to compare um, the outcomes and the lessons learned from each trial. So to optimize the value achieved by all of these trials, this project would then aim to create a bit of a guidance material or tool that we then can achieve a consistent approach to the evaluation and reporting on the trials so that we can expand the value of each individual trial to the collective knowledge and capability development. And the fourth project in this program um, is to do with the uh, addition of um, electric hybrid and automated vehicle attributes in NIFTIS. And NIFTIS is our National Exchange of Vehicle and Driver Information System. Recently, there has been a significant increase of um, electric hybrid and automated vehicles on the roads in Australia and New Zealand. And there's nothing that indicates that this increase is not going to continue. But the current functionalities in NEFTIS does not provide us the ability to clearly identify electric hybrid or automated vehicles. So therefore, this project um, aims at investigating the data requirements for registration of these new vehicle types into NEFTIS. Um, and it will provide then a recommendation on how to enable NEFTIS to include these attributes. It is important to say that this project is not going to deliver the enhancements itself to NEFTIS. That will potentially be another piece of work that would follow on from this one. That was the four projects from the Future Vehicles and Technology Program. And I would pause there for a little. I think Vivica, please um, please keep going along. Uh, questions are unfortunately coming back a little bit later, so yep. rather than wait at this point. That's fine. Um, as mentioned earlier, I'm also looking after the very new established Environment and Sustainability Program. This new program importantly aims at ensuring that environment and sustainability outcomes are at the heart of all dis transport decision making. We will work closely with the other programs as we cannot achieve the outcomes that we are seeking as a standalone exercise. We have to be or get it embedded into and deliver through um, all of our programs and also um, the projects that's being delivered. So as I said, it's a new program. It was approved by the board in November 2020 uh, and the task force held its first meeting in April 2021. And with it being such a fresh uh, or new program of work, the current key priority is really to establish the roadmap 
of future work for board consideration. <clears throat> and to do so, we are hosting a workshop for task force members and other key stakeholders in August, um, which we are in the planning process um, for currently. But the task force did identify one project um, that we could deliver as a quick win, um, which was approved by the board. And that project um, is to do with a review of the environment and sustainability reporting. So our member organizations specify, assess, monitor and report on environmental performance um, in order to meet um, both legislative obligations, but also government priorities and uh, to enable them to inform their stakeholders internal and um, external, as well as the broader community. Um, we see that consistent methodologies for environmental pro uh, reporting can help to drive efficiencies and be best practice, uh, as well as assist with meeting reporting obligations. Um, the outcome of this project um, is going to be a report that will encourage that consistency and current practice for environmental uh, reporting by our member organizations, which would also allow a bit of a benchmarking between the agencies and possibly also um, with externals as well. Part of the report is also to provide a recommendation for updating or maybe retiring the OSROADS guideline for environmental reporting. Um, and that is to ensure that OSROADS products are current, practical, and of course, useful to our members. If the recommendation um, is that we would need to update the OSROADS guidelines, um, that will be contracted as a special or separate piece of work and not part of this one. Thank you. That was the projects from the two programs I look after. Thank you, Vivica. Um, I do have a, a general question. It's just around guidance on project budgets. Um, obviously, we've run through a large number of projects and they do vary in scale um, from smallest to largest. Um, typical Ostroads projects are in, in the smaller end in the tens of thousands of dollars uh, and in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for some of the, the larger projects. But I believe during the, uh, the tender process, that'll be made a lot clearer. Uh, for each individual project. So you, you probably got a sense of the scale of some of them as you look through and they do vary quite a bit. Ekaterina, that's the uh, end of the questions that are relevant to this section. So um, I might hand back to you. Oh, sorry, I should, uh, I've forgotten there. I should have uh, reminded everybody again. I did say it at the start and I forgot myself to say it again. So please do subscribe to get tender notifications and see some of our new opportunities for these projects as they come online at ostroads.com.au slash tenders. Um, we will um, uh, consider, as I said before, options and giving a bit of a, a heads up before the, uh, the tenders are made and, um, and we'll use this forum as a way of letting people know how that's done. This is the first time we've done this particular forum. Thank you very much to everyone for coming along. It's certainly been uh, popularly attended and, um, and I think that means that, that, that shows there's a lot of interest in us continuing to do that. We, we want to uh, drive the best uh, results we can for our projects and uh, we think sharing as much as we can early on can help achieve that.
So thank you very much. I won't keep you any longer than necessary. Ekaterina, I'll hand back to you. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Paul. Thanks, everybody. Um, so very quickly before we finish, um, just a few words about our next webinars. So on Tuesday next week, uh, we will talk uh, about the Emerging Vehicle Technology Trials uh, conducted in Australia and New Zealand and how to access um, an online repository of lessons learned from those trials on our website. Um, if you are interested in the use of recycled plastics in road surfacing, uh, register for the session on the 10th of August. Um, and for those who asked about the uh, guide to road safety, so at the end of August, we will have two sessions uh, to present the update to the guide. So to find out more, just uh, visit our website. Um, and as usual, uh, when we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. So please take a couple of minutes to fill it in uh, and send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session uh, and what suggestions you have for our future webinars. Once again, uh, this webinar is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is available on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day. We will see you next time.